the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. And you're listening to Ion Real Estate, and because I have a meeting in 35 minutes or 40 minutes, I just want to set the show up. Of course, we have our insurance expert, Mike, on the line. He's going to talk to you about insurance. And Ace um, is going, our financial guru, is going to talk about, you know, should you pay off a personal loan before applying for a mortgage? Um, why should you pay it off, or should you pay it off? Uh, and all the things that you need to do to prepare yourself for getting a mortgage because you don't want to wait till you fill out the application and find out that you should have paid the car payment off or the personal loan. Okay, he's going to talk a lot about that. And um, also, people have asked, Ace, so when you, um, about a recording tax and, you know, how do you do that and why do you need it and um, an assignment. How do you assign a mortgage? And, uh, of course, we have insurance expert Mike Conti on today. But I just want to finish up my story because it was – I always tell you, get out of your comfort zone. So, anyhow, I was talking before the break because Andrew told me I could go teach because I have – I've been grandfathered. I have now and take more education. But I always did, so I'm glad to – and maybe I'll teach his classes here and there. Uh, I, uh, so I was in my 20s, and so my boss well, went on vacation, obviously forgot about the class he had to teach, and they were desperate at New York Tech, and they're like, they called me back at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, and I was at work, and they said, well, can you teach the class? Now, I had never taught a class before at a university, and... Did you um, freak out? What'd you do? No, I said, Sure. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love it. You just I said, said yes. Sure. Okay. I said yes. And I, I had no certification, but they were desperate. So they tell me where to go. And I go to the, but the campus was huge. And of course I got lost, which is, I'm not great. That with always directions. happens, right? I get lost. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> I'm late. I walk in the class. Okay. I am late for the class. I walk in. I'm about 10 minutes late. And there's all this class staring at me. And again, I was about 26 then, and um, some man says to me, oh, are you the new home economics teacher? Ooh. Yeah, that was below the belt. Yeah, you didn't like that. (laughs) Well, listen, you know, I learned to roll with the punches. So now I get up and I say, you know, who I am, and I'm running a bunch of offices, and um, 
I had never taught a class, and everybody was older than me. And then they also had the head, of, like a lot of the, the the head of the school was there, and some some um, deans were there. They're all taking real estate courses because uh, they wanted to get their license, even though they had jobs already. And so the guy was so sarcastic. Everything I said, he made a remark about, or he started questioning me, or he started mm. giving me a hard time. He was really trying to humiliate me. And here's what I did. I was pretty. What did you do? I Tell said, me. You know what? You know, I said, you know what? You are so, you, you know so much about real estate. I think you should come up and take <laughs> some questions from the class. Okay? Did he go? Did he do it? <laughs> the guy comes up. They booed him off. He didn't know the oh, answers to anything. Okay? <laughs> and that was the end of his career in real estate. But he didn't argue with him because I wasn't going to be defensive. And I and people say, well, Donnie, every time you speak, I just spoke at Delphi. Aren't you like? I don't know if I could do that. Anytime you speak, anytime you do a class, anytime you do something you've never done, and even if you've done it a million times, each audience is different. Okay, hey, you just gotta. Go. And we're all nervous. It's not like I'm exempt. Okay, it's just that you do it. And then you look at your audience, and then you kind of read it. But that's how I started my career. I, I taught the whole thing at New York Tech, the whole entire course. Um, in those days, you did. But in any event, so someday I'll do that for you. I would love to do that. Um, but my students would love on, to see you, Dottie. To, yeah, oh, People are going to want to hear. I'd love to come. They, they, yeah, I did, I, 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 did, I did a Delphi. I love dealing with people that are learning. But anyhow... I just want to set the show up before I leave because next week I will be here. We'll all be here. But I'm going to uh, Douglas Elliman is opening not a new office. We're in Palm Beach, um, but we're opening a much bigger office because we got so much bigger. And um, since I uh, hired the manager for Palm Beach, who's now doing a lot of Florida, and I hired a lot of the people there, they're moving, and uh, they definitely come, so why not? So I'm going to broadcast from Florida, okay, cool. and those of you, and Andrew and, and Ace, anybody that's got questions about Florida or anything about Florida, moving to Florida, what the prices are like, please, um, you know, I'll spend at least a half an hour, 35 minutes on Florida market since a lot of us in New York, Long Island, in Jersey, Connecticut, a lot of Northeasterners end up going there or buying a second home there. So we'll update Daddy, they you call on it, Florida stuff. They call it the no-income tax state. That's why we're all coming. We're all coming for the no-income tax state. Well, you know and, what? I, and, yeah. and I know Mike just – I mean, Mike Chirpin, because I just don't get it. Like, I don't get why they would make – like these states make it so much better for people who have income and also the inheritance tax. Now you might not, you might say, well, I don't have $5 million to pass on to my children. But people that worked hard and have it, they don't want to give it all to the government, I believe. And we'll, we'll have it better for you next week. I believe that in Florida, um, you don't have to pay inheritance tax. I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, we don't have to pay the state. So, you still have the federal one, Dottie. So we'll go over it much right, more next week, the, but there's still do, the federal. Yeah, and if, and if you have any questions from Florida, like tell Andrew, tell Ace. Um, yeah, we'll help we'll you. address them. I'll have some experts there. Uh, Dottie, do you need someone to come there just to suntan? Because I'm really good at suntanning. <laughs> if you need a suntanning expert in Florida. 
It's one of my best but skills. But you're not supposed to. So. You're not supposed to suntan. Don't believe. I'm old enough to be in the days where we sat out in the sun twenty, like ten hours with a wheel. With a wheel on you, right? Yeah. Like, isn't that the best? And the like, foil, you get the real they had aluminum yep. foil, and they had, yeah. and I would take Mercuricone, and um, yeah, they put, you know, in baby oil and mix it together to give them the right color. Although my favorite was Bande Soleil, and I still use that. But I used to be able to lie at the ocean for hours. I can't do it anymore. Well, first of all, well, I won't do it for my skin, but it's just things how they change. But anyhow, that's about the show. And then for um, and, and and then Ace um, is going to talk uh, a little about what you need when you're applying to a mortgage before you apply everything that you have to do, and a little about the transfer tax. And Mike, are you there? I think we have Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah, Dan. We have Dan Sater, the credit expert. Yes, you know I have the um, again sent me the wrong. Yes, okay, so for today. So I apologize, but Dan, um, we're going to talk about credit when credit is king. And Dan, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but we talked about um, what they're doing with the new rent laws and how that now you can't, you can only give one month's credit, one month's security. So, so whereas if somebody, yeah, if somebody had maybe not stellar credit, and they wanted a rent apartment, sometimes we'd say, okay, this tenant will give you two months or three months up front. This way, you know, if you're nervous that they're not going to pay, you have a little upfront money, and you can't do that now. So how is that going to affect people? <laughs> It'll put more what, what money in ask, their pocket. <laughs> Dan, I, I want to tell you what I want to ask you, is that people, people all have these old myths about credit cards, and I'm going to get into this in one second, but what I want to know is what the biggest factor is. You know, I like to, to pass, and I want, when you do a pass-fail test, you want to know the thing that matters the most. And I'm told it's not about how many credit cards you open or how many you close, although those matter. There's a factor that matters so much more. And can you just give me a little insight about that? What's the biggest factor when I'm dealing with credit? What's the thing that I should be the most concerned about? Well, you, are you talking about as far as opening credit cards, or are you talking about what? I'm talking about if I wanted to not have bad credit, I want to have good credit, because as Dottie's pointing out, the new rental law, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, and the general obligations law, what it says in plain English is you can't take more than one month of security. So I'm going to have all these tenants coming in, and they're going to say, I need to get my credit score up. And if you could tell them one piece of advice, what's, what's the 35% of your FICO score? What's that all about? Well, of course, obviously, uh, paying on time is a big factor because that's the biggest indicator of you not defaulting uh, in the next couple of years. So uh, keeping your payments low, uh, you know, in other words, your credit card balance is low because credit cards have the biggest impact on your credit score. If you have five or six credit cards and you've been perfect on everything and you max those credit cards out, you'll lose 100, 125 points instantly. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. So it's not only making your payments on time, but having credit cards and then then having uh, low balances, preferably under 10%, but generally speaking for most people, uh, they get m- the most bang for the bucks at keeping it under 30% of the usage of the credit limit. Dan, I want to go back to something you said, though, just because I want to make sure I understand you right. 35% when you say you have to pay on time. Do I have to pay my whole balance off? Do I have to pay part of my balance off? What does paying on time mean? Paying what? 
Well, basically, it's all based on what the minimum payment is uh, according to your agreement. So if it's an installment loan, you're making that uh, fixed monthly payment each and every month on time. If it's a credit card, you're making at least the minimum payment each and every month on time. And if you so pay what you're saying, Dan, let, let me just make sure I'm hearing you. Someone has a credit card. The right. minimum payment, let's say, is 15 bucks. Let's just make that up. Mm-hmm. And they owe $3,000. They shouldn't, if they don't only have $15, they shouldn't say, oh, shoot, I don't have $3,000. They need to pay that $15 because the biggest ding on your credit is not making that $15 payment. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. And in addition to that, because a lot of people have a little bit of stinking thinking, uh, they go where they've made three or four times the minimum payment month after month, and then they skip a month saying, well, I'm, I'm ahead of the schedule. Well, yes. no, you still have to make that minimum payment at least oh, no? each oh, and really? every month. So what you're saying is if I pay, if it's $15 a month and the first two months I pay $30 each, I don't get to lock that in. I have to every month still make the $15 payment. Absolutely. And so what I want everyone least, to hear, yeah, and I think at least a $15 payment. Yes, at least. And I, I get you. And what you're saying is that you don't want to carry more than a $10,000 balance. And I want to talk about all that, too. But what I hear so much in my, in my life, I speak to these people, and they get crushed on their credit card bills. And then they say to themselves, I just can't, and they give up. And what, I'm, what I think Dan's telling us is that that 35% of your whole credit score is based on just making that 15%. I mean, well, that first, making, not on, making your payments payment. on all your types of, of accounts, yes. whether they're so student important. loans, car loans, any other personal loan, or credit cards. So, Dan, I have another one for you, and this is for my mom, actually. She asked me this, and I told her that you were going to be on the show. I don't know if everyone knows, but I'm a big fan of Dan. And so I told my we mom are. that you were going to be on the show. Yeah, I, I love Dan. And so I said to my mom, and she said, because I'll tell you why, she loves to get a free deal. So she goes to all these stores, and they, give, they say, sign up for a credit card and get a hat. Sign up for a credit card. And I'm like, Mom, you shouldn't keep doing this. What should you we tell Mom? Holidays. And with oh, the yes, holidays, Donnie, the holidays. Yeah, this comes up every, every year. Go, oh, open a credit card, you'll get 10% <clears throat> off. Yeah, Donnie, my mom opens up like every year. Off, but the thing is, a lot of these department store cards uh, go through uh, uh, companies that don't have the reputation, and FICO does score them a bit differently. So as your Tell scores me. get higher, you will get penalized for having those type of, of cards because they're usually d- given to people with lower credit standing. So the scoring model takes that into consideration. So it doesn't pay to open a lot of them. And, again, it doesn't pay to have a tremendous number of cards. Uh, for From FICO's standpoint, uh, to have a revolving credit, which is a credit card type of account, uh, you, you really the sweet spot is uh, two or three accounts. Uh, the person, people that have high credit uh, achievers have uh, maybe seven accounts on average, or credit card accounts. So you don't want to start having 10 or 15 or 20, and, and they're a, a nightmare to juggle. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's the biggest issue. You forget to make your minimum payments when you have 15 or 20. But, Dan, so what you're saying to me is this year when you go to the holidays, as Dottie's saying, and you walk in and they go, ooh, get this box of chocolate if you open up an account. Probably not the best idea to do that. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if you did it once in a great while, 
you know, it probably doesn't make much of a difference. But, you know, these things have a cumulative effect, and the 10 or 15% discount really isn't going to be worth it with your overall credit score. So you were just mentioning this this three, four, five credit cards are like a good number. I heard something about this thing called the 524 rule. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. Uh, and actually, <clears throat> it's not really a rule. It's a, a non-rule rule. What does that mean? Um, What's a non-rule but, rule? Well, that means that nobody has an official policy on it, but they respond to it and act to it. Uh, what's happened in the past is, you know, as somebody starts to achieve better credit, um, of course, the banks will be uh, looking to get your business. And what happens is, um, you know, people become like a kid in a candy store. Um, you start uh, getting one credit card or two credit cards, and they give you a higher credit limit, and you start going after a lot of them. Um, you know, the, the, there's two things that the banks don't like. One is what I call bank hopping, where you okay. know they offer you a 0%. Uh, you transfer your your high interest uh, debt to the, that card, and when the okay. year is over, a year and a half, you take it out and transfer it somewhere else and close out that card, and they don't, they don't get, like make that. any money. They don't like that. Jan, I have another question. If you were like me, and you know, I'd be shopping at a store I normally didn't shop at. It was my nephews or something. Uh, I had to buy yeah. gifts. My my nieces and nephews. And you did open those because they said, oh, look, you know, your bill is big, you get 10% off or whatever. And you have them already. And I think you told us that you shouldn't close credit cards. What do you do? Oh, interesting. Well, there's there's yeah. never any advantage in closing a credit card because it drops your credit utilization. In other words, it lowers your total credit limits, but it doesn't change how much debt you have. And it's that ratio between your debt and your credit card limits that you're scored on. And Did I just so hear you right, though, Dan? So you what, said if you, what, if you, what if you, like, use it for that time, okay, because you're, you're yeah. out shopping for the holidays and you're buying people gifts, your nieces, nephews, family, and you're not in a store that you normally would use. Um, and let's say you pay. You, you, you pay that bill uh, and you get your 20% off. Now, let's say you, never, you don't use the credit card anymore. What what happens then? Does it does it last for so you know? Does it? Well, after so way, many years or so, you know, with a department store card, uh, they stay open a lot longer than a regular bank credit card. Um, they close them down, and the thing is that what you're scored on is also you opening new credit. So as oh. you make a new inquiry or as you get new credit. That lowers your score. It's a temporary lowering because it's scored that way for about a year. So it's not something that lasts seven years, but it does give you a little bit of a ding by opening it up. So if you go out to two or three stores and open up two or three credit cards, um, it's going to punish you a little bit. So, Ace, would you uh, advise people that are looking to purchase a home? The holidays are coming up, and it sounds like a great deal. Get 20% off your first bill, and your bill is a couple of hundred dollars or maybe even more. Uh, would you um, tell people not to open up any new credit cards? Yeah, I mean, that, that happens all the time, right, Dottie? But I think we have a break, and then uh, we'll, when we come back, we'll definitely answer that question for sure. Call us with your credit card questions, 866-970-9622. 
It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back and we're talking about a subject that's really important to all of us because whether you're buying a home or you're getting a car payment, um, everyone looks at credit. And with the holidays coming up, we were just asking we were asking about if you open up extra credit cards because they're offering you like a deal, like you can get 20% off your bill, um, should you open them? And, of course, Ace is talking about when you're first applying for a mortgage, you shouldn't open any new credit cards, uh, I believe. Um, and you were saying that eventually those credit cards stand, if you don't, in other words, if you did do it, and you opened up a credit card to save money, and you paid the bill off, and you never shop at that store again, after a certain amount of time, that will just go away? Well, they'll close down the card. But, you know, if it's a, usually it's a small credit limit, and the point is that it's a fairly new card, and you're going to take a hit on it for a little while. But the bottom line is, in that particular case, you know, it's not devastating to close them down. But what is devastating, and I wanted to get back to this unwritten 524 rule, is that yeah, a lot of banks now, if you open up like five cards in, in a short period of time, within 24 months, you're likely to get rejected. But there's something even worse than that, because I had a, a, a guy that I was helping out one time, and he came to me and he said, you know, I opened up a, a, a Capital One card, and they sent me offers for others, and I opened up the second and the third when he went to open up the sixth one, they denied him, and they canceled all the other cards. Just out of nowhere. Just canceled them all. Canceled them all. Why? And I understand Chase is doing that, too. Well, yeah, why? Spooking them. They, they feel that somebody's building up a lot of credit to run it up and maybe file bankruptcy or skip town. They don't know, but they're afraid of it, and it's an indication that there's going to be a problem especially when you do it in a short period of time. You know, if you open up one card every year or two years, that's not a big deal. But if you open them all up in six months or 12 months or even that 24-month period, they're going to look at this and say no. And, uh, and by the way, most people find that they may get a, a fairly decent credit limit on the first couple cards, but then all of a sudden the banks will start cutting down the credit limit they will give you when you open up a new one. But if you go too far on this and too quickly, they they will shut down all the cards. I think Dan, wow. Dan, a lot of people ask, you know, and and I think you know, there's there's always so many different ways that you can look at credit, right? But a lot of people when they come in and apply for a mortgage, they're they're always asking Ace, well, is is opening up more credit cards good or have having less good? And there's always this notion of you know there, there's so many different trains of thoughts, right? So I just want to give our listeners sort of a rule of thumb to to follow by. So a quick tip should be you should have at least three credit cards, right? Banks want to see yes. three three trade lines. So I know we're saying you know open up a little more, open up a little less. So three trade lines. If you have one credit card, then you what you want to do is you want to open up at least two more. If you have five credit cards, you want to utilize three and you don't want to close the other two down. So you still want to keep it, but you just want to utilize three because you don't want to be too overly leveraged, right? And the second tip would be if you have, let's say, a $5,000 credit limit, 
don't use the whole amount, right? A good percentage of that credit limit should be anywhere between 25% to 30%. So pretty easy tips. I, just want to, you know. I have a question. I have a question about the tip, and maybe Dan or Ace, maybe you guys can help me because I'm hearing two different things. I just want to make sure I'm hearing you guys right. I get that I shouldn't close down my credit card. So, like, I'm actually texting my wife right now about what we're going to do because I'm, I'm, I'm learning. So, um, I'm get that we shouldn't close down our credit cards, but I thought Dan said earlier that if I don't use them, they close on their own. Is there a difference in my credit score if I close it versus the bank closes it? How does that work? Well, no, there isn't because, I mean, it's notated differently, but most credit is awarded based on the computer doing an analysis. And it doesn't look whether you closed it down or the bank closed it down. It so, depends how it's notated on the account, whether they, it's considered positive or negative. So, Dan, here's what I want to know. Maybe, Ace, you can help me, too. Yeah. Like, I want to get these three credit cards. I'm, I'm getting that. But let's say I'm stupid. And when I was in college, they gave me a free T-shirt, and I opened up lots of different credit cards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if everyone knows that. When you walk around, and they go, oh, who wants a T-shirt? Go, oh, I'm sweaty. I should get a new one. And so I got a new T-shirt. And let's say I have nine credit cards. And I'm not ready to buy right now, Ace. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. Ace always says 18 months is the next horizon. That's where we really want to be looking at. And I'm saying to myself, not this year. But 2020 November is when I really want to buy. Am I better off closing down some of those accounts now and giving those months to rebound my credit? Or am I better off just no. seeing if the bank closes or not? No, no, no. Absolutely yeah. don't close Do the close account. Yep. Yeah, there's no don't advantage close in closing an account, and it can only damage your credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And that's directly so even if the from bank... FICO. Well, here's what I'm concerned about, Dan. It's funny. I but the I, average I just, person's not going to think closing down an account once you've paid it off is going to be a problem. So that's good to know because I think most people would say, okay, look, I've paid off this credit card. I'll close it down. I don't need it anymore. And not realizing it really affects your credit. And that's the, that's the number one misconception, Dottie, which is you know most folks believe that if they close down their debt or their credit card, they're they're, they're consolidating, right? But really what we want our listeners to remember is keep them open. You don't have to utilize that credit line. You just have to keep it open. And eventually, you know, the credit score, the credit agencies will pick up on that. You're not leveraging um, that credit. So, yeah. And just by the way, what you should do is keep it active. In other words, like at least once a year, if not a little bit more, use the card once Once, and then put it away in the drawer. But wait, Dan, I think that answers my question. Here's here's something very important for the mortgage industry, okay? I had a client, when I was in the mortgage industry, come in for a no-doc loan. He needed four active accounts, and he needed a a 680 score. He had a 677 score because he closed down seven of his credit cards. He had one credit card that had a $25,000 limit, and he had ten grand on it. And I said, look, you don't qualify, but I can do the mortgage. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you didn't close down your Sears, Stearns, ANS, and Macy's cards. He says, I haven't used them for five years. I thought they were closed. Right. I said, they're still reporting open. I said, tomorrow, and I mean tomorrow, put something on each one of them. Buy socks. Buy Interesting. Buy shirt. I don't yeah. care. His score went up 75 points because you're penalized for those accounts, even the department store accounts, going inactive. So, so, so you want to keep them all active. I want to loop back to my question, though, because I'm a little concerned still, and I think I get it, but I just want to make sure I'm sure. You told me that these credit cards, if I don't use them for a long period of time, will close on their own, which will hit my credit. 
And so what right. I was trying to understand is, is there a better way to time it? And is what you're saying, even if I opened up these 10 accounts, I should use them sporadically so they never close out? Yes. Okay, that's the advice. So because of what I was afraid of, and this is what I was trying to get scores, a, you know. <laughs> yeah, so here's what my concern was, Ace. I was concerned that I have these 10 accounts, right? And then I go to apply for a mortgage, and I haven't used them in years. And while I'm applying, one of them closes out on loan, which dings my credit score, and then I don't get the mortgage. So what you're saying is just use the accounts, and then I don't have that problem. Okay, so this is what I'll tell you, Andrew, right? Because we get tell this me. situation yeah. all the time. So That's why I'm asking. A lot of millennials now, there's a trend that we're seeing here at the bank as well, because a lot of millennials, they don't like having a lot of credit cards. So they'll probably carry maybe one an American Express okay. or, or MasterCard, Visa, whatever it is, right, as their, yeah, tr- yeah. as their credit card of choice. And what to do is they'll put all of their expenses on that one credit card because it's e- easier to maintain and manage. Now, what yes. the banks would rather see, let's just say someone puts all of their expenses on one credit card and they're spending 5000 a month. The banks would okay. rather see you spread out your, your credit card bill between three different credit cards and charge $100 a month, and that person spending 300 is actually looked upon as better as that one person u- utilizing all of the expenses on one card, which is a little crazy, wow. right? Because the yeah, person that's, that's why I'm asking. yeah. So I well, think what's the difference? Like, what's the difference if I charge everything on one credit card, or if I had three credit cards and I divided equally and I use each one of them? What, like, why would that be make it, it bad? It comes down to credit utilization. Correct. The scoring model is a mathematical instrument. It loves ratios, Mm -hmm. and it looks at your credit limit on each card and your credit usage, and it's that ratio that will help determine your score. And it looks at all your credit cards and all your credit limits added up divided divided by all your debt on those credit cards. But I agree with you, Dottie. It it really makes no sense, Dan, right? Because the person that's using that one credit card is still still responsible. Here's the sense that it makes. We're dealing with a mathematical algorithm, a formula. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is the predictiveness, and this is all that the FICO scoring model or any scoring model measures, is how likely are you going to default uh, on any one item over the next 24 months? And by carrying a higher balance on a credit card month to month to month is much more predictive of you defaulting than carrying a low balance on three or four cards. So, Dan, I got five tips from you, and I just want to make sure I understand them correctly. And I'm going to list them off because I think I can get my credit up, and I want to make sure I understand what's going on. First of all, I want to pay all my credits on time. Every credit card, i got to pay them on time. If it's the minimal balance, that's good. Second way, I don't want to close any credit cards that I have. And to make sure the bank doesn't close them, the third tip is I want to use them all. And as Ace points out, I don't want to just use one and put all the money on it. I want to spread the money. And as Ace said, too, I want to get three credit cards, and I certainly shouldn't open five or more in one year. Is that the five tips I'm getting? Yeah, that's pretty yeah, close you're a pretty to good what, student. what you need. Yep. Now, now, guys, oh, I know sure. we have callers, we have Renee, we have Bill, so stay on. After the break, we'll definitely get to your questions. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. 
Kath, and we're really talking about such an interesting subject that has a lot to do with real estate, but it doesn't only have to do with real estate. It has to do with any kind of credit you're trying to get or any trying to buy something on credit where they look at your credit scores. And a lot of us, not knowingly, are hurting our credit scores without even realizing that. So I learned a lot. Yeah, Jan, so if you had to summarize, like, what tips, like, what are, like, the basic tips? Because it's so hard to remember all of these things. I mean, um, if you had to summarize some of the tips that you would give a consumer or somebody who's new or parents, I really believe this. I believe kids don't learn financial literacy in school. Okay. Uh, You're so right. We we just had a speaker at the dinner I was at last night who was on Shark Tank, and uh, he's on Shark Tank now, and he told us about all the businesses he started that he lost because he really didn't have the financial know-it-all to know how to, you know, balance things. So what would be the tips, like, you know, the basic, like, tips? Because you can always call Dan. He'll be glad to give you the information, and, of course, you can speak to Ace and Citizens Bank about what you should do and you should talk to them before you're actually looking for a mortgage so they can steer you in the right direction so that when you are ready to get that mortgage, you have everything in place. But what what would be the tips that you would give people? Okay. Well, first of all, they can get in touch with me at creditguy at yahoo.com. So the tips I would say is, first of all, pay all the bills on time. Uh, do whatever you can to make sure that they, they, they're current and they stay current. Uh, don't close any, especially credit card accounts. Um, this can only hurt your, your scores. And periodically, as you go along, you should ask for them to increase the credit limits on that. Because as the credit limits increase, it lowers the percentage of your usage, which gives you better scores. And Wait, slow down and stop. So now you're saying, I'm a little confused. So now you're saying you pay, you know, you pay the minimum payments, you pay your credit cards down on time, you pay them on time. At some point, you should take out more credit? You should ask them to increase the credit limit. That's not using okay. more credit. That's okay, having it, it available. It. Yes. And, and why course, would that be? Well, because, again, you're measured by a ratio. The, the scoring model is mathematical. It looks at how much debt you have divided by how much credit limit you have. So if you have your credit limit and you have, let's say, uh, $2,000 and you have a $4,000 card, you're using 50% of that credit limit. But if you have $2,000 on that card and they raise it to $10,000 credit limit, you're only using 20%. And your scores go up. Dottie, we have this caller that's been waiting for... Question eight, and and, and Dan, wait, I just have an important question there. So now I did that. And now I'm ready to apply for a mortgage. And I was under the impression, Ace, tell me if I'm wrong, that now the bank is looking at my credit scores. and And they say, well, my God, this girl has a lot of credit available, so if we give her a mortgage, she has $200,000 of credit that she can, and maybe she won't pay her mortgage back then. 
Is that well, possible? I can only tell you my experience. I was in the mortgage banking industry for 17 years, and never once did I have anybody turned down because they had too much credit. Using okay. too much credit, yes, but having the credit available, no. Okay, but now wouldn't a bank, I mean, tell me, I mean, if you're a bank, okay, uh, wouldn't you say, okay, um, this person qualifies for this amount of mortgage, however, they have an available credit line with all these credit cards they have. They haven't used that credit, but they have it available to them. And if they, we give them a mortgage and they then just happen to use all that credit, then maybe they won't pay the payment. Could the bank think like that or no? I mean, the bank will look at your behavior, Dottie, as well. So if they look at like the last 12 months or the last two years, have you been using it consistently? You know, what's your um, expenditure behavior, things of that nature as well. So I get your point in terms of that available credit line. But if you're not someone that's, you know, um, used to using it on a monthly basis at a certain um, average, then they won't really look at, you know, you're going to go out and get drunk and spend, let's say, they look at your hat. Yeah, they look so at your Dan, habits. I have a exactly. question for you. I know this is bad, but I've heard people say, oh, like, I'm really going to have to declare bankruptcy, so I am going to go out and spend all, <laughs> take all my credit cards and max them out, and then I'll declare bankruptcy. Is that what they're worried about? Or- well, you know, the thing is, there is a section in the bankruptcy law that if you do that just before you file for bankruptcy, you're going to have problems. Because they're going to say, we're not going to allow that being discharged. Mm. So you can't just run it up one day and then then the next day say, well, I'm filing bankruptcy. Because they will consider that fraud. So, so guys, I just want to have Renee. Let me just just jump in for one second. I just need to make sure everyone hears me. It's very important. I need everyone to know know that if you're going to file bankruptcy, it is perfectly okay to consult with a bankruptcy attorney in advance so you know what you're doing before you file. And before you file bankruptcy, please go see a licensed attorney and ask them questions because planning for bankruptcy is legal and you should do it. So please see an attorney. Sorry, Ace. I know we have Renee. No, no, it's okay. I just wanted to get Renee on the line. I know she's been waiting patiently here. Yes. Yes. Hi, hi, Renee. Hi, Dottie. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's just early here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just have a question. I just wanted to know if there's a rule of thumb when you should pay off a mortgage and if paying off a mortgage does affect your credit. So that's a question. Yeah, that's a great question, Renee. I would say that that's up to the individual, right? What I mean is um, opportunity costs. So if you feel as if, especially right now, if and I'm, and I'm not too sure what your current interest rate is, and if you haven't refinanced, I'd really suggest you review um, what your mortgage payments are and what your current interest rate is. But at, in an environment where the rates are currently at 3.5%, maybe on an ARM and adjustable rate mortgage, you're currently looking at a 2.75% rate. You really have so to look low. at you know, what your available cash that you have is that is that really giving you a return on investment of more than 2.75% or 3.5%? Well, yeah, the thing is, let's say we have a CD that would cover the cost of, you know, the paying off the mortgage. Correct. And that CD is earning at this point, let's say 2.5%, and our current mortgage would be 4%. But I know that if I renew this CD, it's going to go down. It's not going to be the 2.5% anymore. It's going to probably go down to 2.25% or 2%. So 
you know, I'm thinking maybe I should, instead of renewing it, just pay off the mortgage. So, 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 but I think you have to look yeah. at one other thing. You, you know, and, 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 and again, that's why everything is individual. There's no blanket Correct. answer. But I would tell you this, because I, you know, I don't have much left on my mortgage, and I could pay it off. Okay, but as I tell everybody, it's free money now. And I think, well, now if you take the CD and let's say now you pay off your mortgage, if God forbid someone gets sick or you have some financial hurdle down the road, have you utilized all your cash? Smart. In other words, you don't want to be cash poor. You have to have some money. Plus? Right. Yeah. Plus because this, there's yeah. always something that could happen that was unforeseen. Mm-hmm. And so if you take all the money that you have in your CD and pay off your mortgage, and now you, now you no longer have the CD, your house is free and clear. Okay. If something comes up, do you have a, a, like a reserve, as Andrew said? Right. Right. So that's something I, I definitely, you know, probably would have at this point because we did sell a piece of property. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. at the, you know, when we sold it, we decided to invest it in CDs, and we weren't sure whether or not to pay off the mortgage, so we didn't. We just invested it in the CDs and, you know, getting some kind of an income from that. But now that I'm seeing that the, the rate is going down, I'm just wondering if I should pay it off. So, Renee, I'm just going to jump in with something because Ace said it, and I thought it was so smart to think about. There's not just two factors. It's not keep it or pay it off. You may want to refinance because you might be able to get a much lower rate, which would change the equation. And then we got to add something else into that equation. For the first $750,000, or if you have a pre-existing loan, a million dollars of your mortgage that you're borrowing, you're going to get a tax benefit. So what right. I need you to do is actually do the whole math on that thing. And I think a, a guy like Ace calling up the a Citizens Bank and finding out maybe you should refinance. And what I love about Ace the most, and when I've worked with him before, is he tells you sometimes when you shouldn't get the mortgage. Yeah, like sure. you need to work with someone who's honest and going to say, hey, Renee, don't get the mortgage with us now because Ace is a long-term player. This is what he looks at. It. He doesn't need the deal now. He needs you to realize he's the mortgage guy to speak to. Right. That's great, Andrew. And, and and Renee, you know, just again, I think every situation to Dottie's point is different. And we just have to look at, you know, are you best utilizing your source of income? That the CD is one source and we should reevaluate, you know, what other sources of income do you have and see if, you know, getting getting the rate of, let's say, three and a half percent or a CD on a two percent rate, you know, what's the cost benefit, right? So Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to it. So there is, yeah. and and you know something, I I think if I if you've ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, Kiyosaki, yeah. I love him. Yeah, and and they really talk about how really really we're we're not equipped, we're not talked, we they don't teach in school too much. Um, there's so many factors to look at, and that's really one of the reasons we bring you the show is to try to bring up all the different scenarios, and then you need to find an expert that will help you navigate through that. But basically you're saying that if you the CD is not going to be making much money, your mortgage payment interest rate is higher, you have a cash reserve, so you have money, you know, money that in case something comes up you have, well, then you sound like you could be a candidate. I just want to buy Ace just to double check. 
I love that. Dottie, are we going to call your class in my school Rich Mom, Poor Mom? Rich Mom, Poor Mom. I, th- I like that. <laughs> I think that's all we need. I think we no, need to bring that I in. I learn about finance because my father was in a day where they, I don't even know if they had credit cards then, but it was like they paid cash. They didn't, I mean, my father was a World War II guy, and so I don't know, I don't even remember him having a credit card. I mean, it, it was like if you don't have the money, you don't spend it. And the world so is everyone, so different today. I want everyone to wish Dottie a great rest of the NAR convention over in San Thank Francisco. You. We're missing you, Dottie, and we hope time. to see you soon. Okay, Enjoy. And, we will, and remember. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.